Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. You guys have to start praying now. (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't think we need to do introductions. So uh, why don't we, we'll just, we're going to jump right in. So I'm going to just facilitate this. We have some great questions that have come in. And and then we have a a whole panel here that's going to answer the questions. So (sighs) here we go. Actually, I'll answer the first question. Is it possible to have the recording of the whole conference available to us? (laughs) And the answer to that is yes. If you have registered uh, through the Eventbrite, uh, we will send you probably within a couple days, just we're gonna compile it, and then we will send that out and you will get a a full copy of of everything that has happened here. Uh, So. All right, so now to the, to the harder questions. And we're going to start with, I just thought we'd jump right in with one of the more difficult ones. Uh, this is a little more of a theological question. And so with Leif getting his PhD, I thought this would be a good one. for. Uh, the question is, do you like to take naps? <laughs> My wife does. Asked, do you? Oh, no. Your wife's got a mouth. Any, anyone can answer. Was, was this? Napo- was that napology? Napology? You're talking about now? <laughs> napology. Yes. Napology. No, I I normally never take a nap, so that's uh, I'm not very good at napping. But um, anybody else here? Paul Yado, I know naps because we have. Uh... Okay. Um, no, 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 that was just a, we were just getting it started here. <laughs> All right, so here, here is a, here's a, here's a good question. Um, what is one piece of advice that has and is still impacting your life today? I'll say it one more time. Yeah, what is one piece of advice, maybe from, from someone that, that you've, you've just grabbed a hold of that is, has and is still impacting your life today. Yeah, um, I always uh, remember what uh, Papa Jack said, life first before ministry. Amen. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and you cannot repeat it. So <laughs> Heidi, what about you?
just in the book all the time, in the book, in the book, in the book. Uh, but there was a prophet that really touched my life and Roland's life, and he said, come to the meeting, and this is going to offend some people, but it's what he said, and, and it's, it's just not everyone's supposed to flow this way, but he said to me, go to the meeting with a big heart and an empty head. And when I first heard it, I thought, <laughs> I can't do that. You know, I can't do that. But the more I realized how, how much he was talking about leaning, it wasn't that you didn't study and you didn't prepare. You did study, you did prepare, and you studied and prepared and worshiped and studied and prepared. But then it's all about leaning. And uh, so I think that was some, some of the best advice was leaning just to be a leaner, leaning on your beloved. That's really good. So good. It was don't sacrifice family on the altar of ministry. But uh, following Heidi, honestly, Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility regard each other as more important than yourself. I remember Papa Jack, um, many of you are familiar with the rod message. And it was actually the last word he spoke, the last word I heard him speak before he died. And so often it's interesting what Jesus said before he died, the last words you say knowing. And again, he was not even supposed to be able to speak. But Papa Jack, I asked, what is your favorite message? He said, son, Moses and the rod laid down. And uh, that was the last word he spoke. So what do you have in your hand? Well, I, I got a minister. I got this. So I got pressure. I got lay it down. And so I knew the lessons of a Papa Jack is whatever you have, just lay it down. And you do not know if there's any poisonous nature in what God has given you that it becomes a serpent unto you lay it down and until you lay it down so when you lay it down all the hiss of the serpent goes out so hiss can come in and then learning how to pick up God's rod which is God's ability God's wisdom God's power and as long as we hold up so as soon as I feel pressure that was the last words I have it on my phone so I don't forget in the hospital room with Papa Jack in the afternoon before we took him to the hospice but there was a lesson for 21 years I learned from Papa Jack, and I still have a rod in my room, and I travel with it. So in the moment when I feel something, I feel the pressure, even of some other things, that still small voice, what do you have in your hand? And then just lay it down, lay it down, lay it down. And that advice has saved my life, and it has been with me. I forget easily, so I carry the rod with me as a good reminder. And many times in a hotel room, something is about to happen, and I stand there. And I think the biggest picture, and actually Paul Yada was there in Karachi with me on this trip, where five, 600 radicals came towards, and we're about to be crushed. I had 104 and a half in fever, double pneumonia, just been speaking. And in the middle of it, it was just a horrific time. But I remember in a moment that little voice of the rod. And I looked at the guards, they were about to shoot, and it doesn't look good 
from Ambassador of Love that you have mass shooting of all these people because we had about 200 guards with guns and machine guns. But at the moment, I remember Moses and the rod and the Red Sea. And I just looked at it, God, don't do anything. And it was less than a few seconds and the presence of God, heaven just came down. And 500 of the radical, they starts to dance extravagantly and worship Jesus. And uh, so that day, uh, we have it on video, that day saved my life. But it was because Papa Jack earlier before we left reminded about that rod. Just lay it down, just lay it down, just lay it down. And then I want you to pick up my rod. That's my rest, my peace, my joy. Whatever is true of him, hold that up and the environment is going to change. And when your arms get tired, find somebody else. That's what we do for one another here. We're coming along. Let me hold up the rod of God over you, over your family, over your finances, your health condition. So I have these beautiful people around me, uh, including my own family. They're constantly helping me to hold up the rod of God. But also to remind me when I feel pressure, to lay down your pressure so we can pick up his pleasure. Thank you. Wow. That's good. So I think this is a question that this is always a tough one for people in ministry um, is obviously we put God first above everything else. Uh, but a lot of times we perceive God as ministry um, and sometimes it affects our family in a negative way. And so how do we, or how do you, how are you able to prioritize or, or keep the, that order where, where it is God? but that family, or that ministry doesn't overcome family. <laughs> you, maybe you don't want to always be the one to start. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I believe the model that God started in the garden is the best model. The first face that Adam saw was the face of God. And out of that flows the relationship that is flowing out of love. As we behold him, we become like him. When we stop trying to create circles, when it's all about relationship with God, what we behold, we become. When Adam saw Eve, there's just something inside of Adam that says, you are the bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh. There's that intimacy that comes from being in union with God. And so I, I could be with Almira, my wife, and just spend time with, with her and dine or watch movie. That is as special as walking with God. Or being with Dave and Sophie and just having a conversation. That's, that's more than ministry. It's, it's life. Uh, I, if I may connect what I'm sharing here with what I stated a while ago. We don't try to make or to, to do ministry to find life. Ministry is the expression of the life that we have. Ministry is the external expression of what is between you and your father in the secret place. Ministry is not what you do so you can have an identity. 
So all of this is actually not just, you know, when we stop thinking about ministry, when we start living from life and love, then anywhere we go is a ministry because we are administering the kingdom. We are releasing the kingdom to the poor. We're releasing the kingdom even to our enemies. So I mean, our critics and just be the representation of that face we saw. So I stopped trying to create circles of this is the number of or percentage of time I'll give to Almira so I would feel not guilty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. When it's time for you to rest, rest. Time for you to just be there in, in Boracay, white beaches in the Philippines. Enjoy <laughs> it. Your pineapple and that's heaven on earth. <laughs> or be there in Pemba, Mozambique or Tanzania with my daddy Leif in Pakistan. That's heaven on earth. Or just be with total stranger and be in a moment. So just be. I, I hope I, I answered it. It's good. Well, I was a first born again Christian in my family. They were Ivy League Bohemians. And Roland was fourth generation missionary kid. Uh, so, and we had lunch once and got married. <laughs> Chinese lunch. So, we, we didn't really know how to navigate this whole thing. And I became a radical, absolutely radical Pentecostal uh, when I was 16. And it freaked out my parents. They, they tried to get me help. A psychologist and deprogram me and all, but eventually they, they met the Lord. All, all of this to say, I mean, it was about 30 years later, but it, it happened. All of this to say that I don't think we really knew how to do it well, family well. We were so like, Rollins had this family history. They were, they, he always, he still does. Um, talks about his grandfather all the time and they lived on $30 and a month and they gave most of that away and I'm like, oh Jesus, you know, that's hard. And we bought the top ramen and ate an egg in it once a week and I was talking to you about, about my son and food and things today actually like we were hungry a lot. We had one outfit. I had one to wear, one to wash, one to wash, one to wear. Raised our kids in the slums. And it was, it was absolutely glorious and absolutely wonderful in so many ways and dysfunctional in other ways. Can, yeah. I yeah. mean, do you want, what do you want? We're all perfect, kumbaya. <laughs> and our families are perfect. Get our Christmas card. Um, we we we've been through it. And then I remember one day 
in, in Mozambique. I'll never forget the day. I mean, I, I, I was Mother Hubbard in the shoe kind of thing. I just brought 360 children home, right? But we actually didn't have a house. So we just like brought them into these rooms and we didn't have running water, we didn't have electricity most of the time. My kids would go to school and they'd get beaten up and, cause it was like, you're going to local school. That's what you do, praise Jesus. Um, we did stuff like that. We did that, we did that. My son got tied up in, in school. We found out later. Do you want the real story? What like? <laughs> um, so we first we heard these great missionaries. You know how you get great advice, great advice. We had this. If I told you his name, you'd be like, "Yes, he's the best missionary on the planet," and and that he is, in in many many ways. But he taught us these things like, "Don't ever put your children in in a English speaking school." So we put our kid our son in Indonesian school and they used to put bugs down his back you know and he had to get up at 3 a.m. to get on the bus and we didn't know all that was going on he was fluent in Indonesian which was great bragging rights for us and then um, <laughs> you know it just is especially if you're doing a conference and your ch children fluent in the local dialect and all and it just sounds really cool and everybody's like wow it's like they learned it before English. It's okay. Um, but it, it looks amazing. And then so we, we got to Hong Kong and because we were kicked out of Indonesia. So, so we were going to be even better missionaries. So we take this tow-headed blonde and we stick him in Chinese school. That was awesome. That was awesome. Except for him. Oh. It wasn't awesome for him. You know, we, we found out when he was 18 that he was tied to the chair um, and why he's so good at jujitsu. Because they tied him to the chair because they called him a guaylo, which is a white ghost. And um, that's not very, very nice for your child, you know? And I, I, he'd come home and he'd cry and I'd say, stop crying, you know? And I'd speak to him only in Cantonese. And he was like, Finally, he starts to cry one day. He's like, I think he did a little in Indonesian, a little in Cantonese, a little in English. Like, how many languages are there anyway? And, and, and I just said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Maybe, maybe you want to go to school in English. And he's like, yes. And so we got to do that for a while. And... I remember another time when my daughter, Crystalline, she just slumped down next to one of our trucks and she started crying and she said, you love the orphans more than me. We had, I don't know, at the time maybe 10 living in our, ho our home with us, with our two, our two blondes. We had our other kids and and then we had all these children everywhere. And, and I, I just remember thinking, Lord God, what do I do? Because love has to look like something, but it matters right now, right here for my own flesh and blood. And what, what the Lord showed me really came out of Isaiah 58. 
you know, where, where we also care for our own flesh and blood. And then in renewal, years later, um, after we'd been through so much, if it weren't for what God did in renewal, in that revival, I don't think we would have made it. I don't, I don't think our family would have made it. I, we wouldn't have made it. We wouldn't, I, I'm just gonna say, I don't think so. What happened was God shook us in the greatest way and showed us what, how he just, he just loved us. And we were so hard on ourselves and we were so hard, even without knowing it on our children, we didn't eat cheese because that was a sinful thing for rich people. We didn't believe in hot water. We, we, we took a cup of cold water and bathed our children in the winter in Hong Kong because that's what really faithful, anointed missionaries would do because you would not waste even heating that water when you could feed more people. Do you understand? It, maybe I'm taking too much time, but this, this is my vulnerable side. And if you're going to have Q&A, then you should, you should hear real. the vulnerable side yeah. of it. And um, the, the beautiful thing the Lord did over the years, um, so amazing, but one, one last thing that shifted us what happened and why, um, you know, why I'll travel. Even if I'm in America at all, to me it's close. I'll see my children, I'll see my grandchildren, um, my adopted, my natural born, I'll do whatever it takes. I told you I went straight off the plane <laughs> onto the roller coasters, you know, with my grandkids. Like, that's nuts. And then I was, I was trying to take my other grandkids to Dollywood, but it was closed. But we found a trampoline park, and I jumped like crazy. That was day before yesterday, because I find a way. I find a way. And it's not that I'm just trying to make up for, for the lost time. I'm literally intentional with it. And so is Roland. We're intentional with it, because it doesn't matter how much inner healing and counseling you get, whatever you do. And, and somebody said the other day, we, we put money in the, in the jar for the therapist for later. You know, they were, they were teasing, but they weren't. They were, they were like, we're gonna make mistakes. And this is the thing, we all make mistakes. We can't look back. You know, I, I can't look back. And my, if you talk to my kids, our kids, Roland and I have been married for 43 years. That's a, that's a big blessing in a miracle. Yeah, that is. That's, that's, yeah, that's worth clapping over. And because it is, that's a miracle, you know. And a wonderful blessing. And, and that gives you strength and longevity. And that's the best thing you can do for your children is stay together. Some of you are like, not, not if it's us, we'll kill each other. But if, if you don't kill each other, it's the best for you to stay together. So <laughs> I, I went to this meeting, and, and this woman comes across, and she sees me. And I'm this missionary. Nobody knew us back then at all, even in the, our little stream that we're in. Nobody knew us. And, and she shot me. And I, I thought, what, what was that? She just went, bam. 
And later they wrote in their thing that wasn't allowed, but at the time it was allowed. Bam, she said. And I flew back. She didn't touch me. She was like, as far as you are from me. Bam, flat back. She said, you're wearing Saul's armor. Like, I knew exactly. I was trying to copy this missionary that I super admired that I thought was the best missionary on the planet besides the other guy who told us not to put our kids in any English-speaking school. This was the missionary that I thought was the best of the best, and I still think she is. She's incredibly awesome. She's a mentor to me. She gave me incredible advice, but what happened was I was trying to wear her armor, and it didn't fit me. And when, when that woman, Mary Audrey, I still remember her name, shot me and I flew across the floor, the Lord, I landed on the ground and you'd think God would say something really, you know, deep and he would, he would quote scripture in your ear or something, you know, John 3.16, Philippians 2.3, or go into all the world and and he said, eat cheese. <laughs> eat cheese. I, I mean, at, at, that, at that point in my life, I fasted a third of my life. A third of my life, I fasted. So you pretty much, any time you get me, it's pretty much, I was fasting, you know. And, and if I ate, it, was a, it wasn't very much. And I'd go to a restaurant and cry because I couldn't understand all the waste. And at the same time, eat cheese. And then, and then I heard, and take a hot bath. And when that happened, I broke. I broke. I broke. And I sobbed, and I sobbed, and I sobbed, and I sobbed. And for, for our family, um, for Roland as well, he could tell you his experiences in that same place. That was where the Lord started healing our family, our, our natural-born family and our adoptive family. And we've been on this beautiful journey, and we're still on the journey. Um, but I really pray that maybe that, that honest um, answer might might help help some of you. So Mama Jen, I put the Kleenexes right by you. I mean, I'm already crying through her kids because <laughs> they're my kids. Come on. That's true. So don't do what we did. Do what God tells you to do. Yes and amen. But I believe there's a way to do it differently. I believe there's a way to encourage our children to know that they have a safe place no matter what. No matter what they've done, I've told our children, your name has never changed. 
I didn't know how to do was get them to the Father because I was protecting them from the same Father. Because I didn't always trust that God was doing what was best for my kids. What do you mean? It felt like when I taught my children to ride a bicycle, I didn't stick a stick in the spokes to teach them how to fall. But that's what it felt like was happening to my kids. And at times, to have your spouse gone 230 days in a year, one year was 310. To be home with car accidents and appendicitis attacks. I was angry. I didn't contract for that. I was a good girl, God. Where's my cupcakes and roses and palace and my white horse? And three really important things God taught me. Give me your kids back. No. Give them back. Okay, fine. Give me your identity. Well, fine. I don't know who I am anyway. Take it. That was easy. <laughs> Until it wasn't. You know? And there was a third thing. I forget it right now, so I must not be able to tell you. But, um, oh, yes. <laughs> Anytime you make a human... what only I can do for you. You've created a God. And he said, baby girl, I'm not going to have any other gods in your life. I said, all right. So I feel as we are coming into God willing a change is that part of my ministry is to help people not make the same mistakes. You don't have to. You get to, <laughs> should you choose to. I remember, I was, I was a preacher's kid. I, I mean, not really. He was a minister of music. So I tried to come up with a cute acronym, you know, like everybody was a PK and I was an MOMK. <laughs> Didn't roll off the tongue like PK. But my little brother got drunk uh, one year and um, because alcohol was forbidden and, and it was a sin. And so, of course, you're going to get drunk when you're old enough to drink. And um, because it was a fear, you know, we had alcoholism in the family. So we're going to tell you it's a sin. And, and Jennifer didn't drink. Are you stupid? Until I was 35. But, um, and then you don't need it. It's funny. Um, but I remembered my daddy leaving my mom and I to deal with my drunk brother, and he went and took care of someone else's drunk son. And I remembered having lack because, again, that was what Jesus people would do. And so before I got married, I, I, I did ask the Lord to, if possible, let this cup pass for me and don't let me marry a minister. And I wasn't angry. I just wanted food. 
clothes, a nice car. <laughs> you know, when the prayer around the table is, Father, please impress upon someone at church to give us another vehicle. We need a car. And I'm, yes, Lord, impress upon someone at church. Or to have the two Sunday dresses and the school shoes and the church shoes. And my school shoes smelled so bad. Because that's what you do. And to come into a place where there are times we're called to go without and there are times that there isn't enough. But I wanted to be more of a blessing than the one that needed to be blessed. And that I learned from this man, Mr. Generous. He'd give somebody a $100 bill and I'd be, you know what I could do with that money? To be jealous when other people were blessed. Anyway, long story, too much talking. I'd be quiet now. You don't have to do what we did. And our children are amazing humans. When you say anything else, I'll meet you outside. <laughs> wow. I thought about two things. One is there is a book out that um, I think it was like Randy and Bill and Heidi and uh, the sons and the daughters of, of the parents the generals in, in the faith, they wrote the book. I have not, I've read some of it, but Randy Clark came with that book to me and said, Leif, I want you to read it. And Randy was just crying. Yeah, crying. It was uh, Jack Frost, Josh Frost, I think, was part of compiling this. And uh, so Randy was just saying, and Josh had just written a chapter. So each one of the kids kind of wrote a chapter, how it was to be kids. But Josh wrote something. That's Randy Clark's uh, oldest son. And he said uh, Everybody is celebrating, if you can use me, Heidi, whoever, but in the sense of the people, the, the Abrahams that are willing to lay down their children on the altar ministry. But he said that nobody's asking or celebrating the Isaac that is willing. And well, that, that just hit me on a very deep level because we didn't know sometimes Isaac didn't have an option in regard to or he maybe did have an option but so here he is and it's going to be sacrificed because the father is going to follow in God and what did he feel and what did he sense and what did he experience that, that had a very deep impact and the second thing that just came to my mind it was actually out in the green room here years ago and that's how I actually J.R. and Yvonne brought Bill Johnson, Randy Clark and myself that's how I got connected to many of you here was one of our first healing schools, whatever, 14 some years ago. And uh, as we were sitting, the Bill and I was just having dinner and asked Bill, because I was in that war and the tension, I said, how do you do it? That was the question, Mike, that you asked, or somebody asked. God first, family, minutes. I mean, I was just wrestling with this because when I was with God, I was thinking I should have spent more time with Jennifer or uh, I'm in the nation. I was never where I was supposed to be, and I had this tension. So I thought maybe Bill... And so, because I'd learned this model, God, family, ministry. And then Bill just kind of looked at me and said, well, I, I don't see it that way. And I said, well, how do you see it? And he said, everything I do is just as unto the Lord. And something just hit. He said, let me explain. When me and Eric is out there just watching a good movie, 
That is the most spiritual thing I can do because I do it as unto the Lord. If I'm with my wife on a date, I do. If I'm going to be here and sitting here with you, I'm going to be here present because that's where I'm supposed to be. When I'm going to speak, I'm going to be there. Question and answering time, I'm going to be there. And I think that anyone that knows me and have been around me, I think that something at that day shifted in me. So I'm, it doesn't matter who I am with. If I'm with Frida or if I'm with you, you will feel that you're the most important person. At least I like to live that way. Just to be present with his presence where I'm supposed to be and not thinking about all these other things. So if I'm going to be with Jennifer, I just want to be with Jennifer. Or take one of the kids to Europe, we're going to be together. So whatever we do, something shifted in me at least that started to create a little bit more freedom. A, one advice that I wish I had learned earlier and an advice I wanted to give you. And I also think that I'm very proud and I think, I think hearing Heidi and also knowing my wife and some of our journey and what we thought it was supposed to look like. But the joy I have now at least is to watch a whole generation, including Paul and Almira and uh, Mike and Christian, many, when I see a whole new generation of people that are coming up that I see they are doing this well. And I had one of my spiritual sons from Norway. He, he, he wanted to come over. We had a, our family gathering in Malaysia. and says, I want to come, but my wife just had a baby three weeks ago and everything else, but I'm resting, but I, I don't want to miss out. What should I do? And in a moment, I also had tears in my eyes because I was like, I want, I want you to know uh, uh, you're going to stay. You're going to stay home. And you're going to be there with your wife. And you're going to be there with your baby. And you're going to support her. Maybe some of the things I didn't have the wisdom myself when I always had to go to different places myself. That was very easy for me now to give wisdom and, and, and even for the next generation that you're not missing something out. And that is an encouragement for me right now is to see that God is raising up a whole new generation of healthy kingdom family, and they don't have to have the same scars that we have. So I just see there's a lot of redemption in this. That's good. Wow. I want to stay just for a minute in this place of vulnerability because I think this is so good. Um, so there's questions in here that I think are, okay, how do we do this or how do we do these things? But there's these these vulnerable questions that, uh, that I think it's so good for us to hear because as we're pressing into what the Lord is calling us into, the greater things, and you're looking at people here that have, that have laid down their lives, that have said, I'm just going to give it all. And I think there's that tension of, of how do we do this? And I was talking uh, to Kaylee earlier, and, and it's like, it's, sometimes we idolize People up like this on stage, you look at Heidi and you go, wow, like I want, I want to be just like Heidi. And I think sometimes my response is, do you? <laughs> do you really know the life that she lives? And, uh, and that it's, it isn't all rainbows and butterflies. Uh, and I know you guys know this, but there is that like, oh, I could, I want to do that. But I just want you, I want you to hear from them. I just... Uh, so here's, here's the question. It's, are, are there times in your life when you feel like quitting? When you kind of hit that point where it's like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can go another step in, in what I'm doing. And, and so we see the glamour of it, I think, sometimes. Uh, but, but the reality of it and this, this endurance and, and this perseverance that is, is required and this depth of this relationship with Jesus that, 
needs to be so solid and so deep in order to actually do the things that they're called to do. So I just, and maybe there's a time in your life, um, I mean, I know sometimes specifically just hanging out with you guys of, of where there's those moments where you're like, I don't want to take another step. I'm done. I'm out. And, uh, and how do you get through that? And maybe just, just, yeah, just speak to that for a minute. Just the, yeah, the difficult, and you can't use the same stories that you've already told. <laughs> Actually, let's do this just so you don't have to go first. Let's, let's go around the other way. So Papa Leif, maybe you start and then we'll go. We'll just come this way. I think that I almost quit every day. No, <laughs> no I do believe that there's been several different periods of time where you feel the price is too high. There's times where I still remember I was coming home from the Middle East and again I was in and treated for PTSD and I was seeing a psychologist and he was doing all this analysis on my life and I kind of a little... <laughs> I was smiling about it because <laughs> as I was looking at all these things and all the trauma. And then he made this incredible list. He said, wow, I mean, you've written books and you could speak. I mean, he's kind of giving me the cure. I, like, I found a cure for you. You could speak in about 12 conferences, making a nice six-figure income. You love going to the beach. You like cars and motors. I mean, he's coloring the life. And I got more and more depressed the more he colored of what heaven is looking like on earth. And uh, so I, I think that there's certain things here of, uh, and, and the people, there's quite a few in this room that has been with me in some of the darkest places. That's why I understand Heidi in the dirt, and, and I've been there and seen this. There's something in me, it's like a fish in water, you become alive. It's like an eagle in the sky, it, it soars, and there's something in you when you are in the middle of what God has called you to do. And there's oil that rests up on that assignment. But the problem many times is your emotional tank. You're burning up the emotional tank and you get weary. And at that moment, similar like Elijah, you, you want to throw in the towel. For me, chronic pain, body cast, tumor. And there's been so many different things. But also, honestly, I've said it publicly. The worst thing has been our own kids and to see uh, the price. My wife, they are the true heroes for me. My wife and my kids. And... Uh, Yes, we can now. And I do have a great relationship, and it's, uh, it, it's amazing. God is, we're also on a journey of, of, of just a beautiful restoration. But that's, that's very painful. And also because there was areas where you didn't have wisdom. There was areas, as I'm saying, that you do. I'm, I know many times you kiss them goodbye. I, I still remember what Leif Emanuel was running down the driveway in Norway. I was heading into Congo. And he cried and he ran down and I had this old station wagon. And just the times when you didn't know if you're going to come back. Uh, Frida knows there's one story because there was one moment we were standing there at the Vari Hotel and 500 guys was coming with guns and machine guns to kill me. It was radicals. And so we had these old satellite phones. I was taking it old saddle phone, just trying to, this Motorola, put up the antenna, find a place, and, and I'm trying to give some hope here, so I'm going to call home, and there's tension everywhere, and it's getting closer and closer, and they're coming to kill, and you have about an hour, hour and a half, and you have 500 guys that have declared in the mosque that I had blasphemed Muhammad, and as a result now, the, ra I mean the, the radicals was coming for me, and they knew where I was at, and I'm out in that courtyard, and I'm calling my wife, and I'm on there, on the line, and just 
she is not answering the phone. And finally, I was I was cutting the grass. She was cutting the grass. And eventually, I called Frida, got hold of Frida, and said, Frida, uh, hey, I just want you to know, uh, I have about 500 guys. They're coming to kill me, but just tell my wife, I think it's going to be okay. So that is not a good way, Hester, to give it. <laughs> and then I can't remember how many, if it was a 24 hours, it was a long time before I eventually ended out of that country and ended up in Dubai or one of the more safe places where I was able to say, I made it, I'm alive, kind of a thing. But I'm just saying we do not realize, we know the trauma we go in when you're there, but we do not often know the trauma of, and I know what people don't know, that it's also painful that all these years we couldn't get life insurance. We could get life insurance because of, and I've been the sole provider. She was a wife, mother, and a homie. But I, I tried to get life insurance. I said, no, we can't give you life insurance because you had these suicidal tendency. <laughs> you're going into these places where you're going to get killed. I mean, it's not. <laughs> so, but even that tension, what is going to happen when you're there? Many times when you're facing this, what's going to happen to your wife and your kids and et cetera? So I'm just saying there's many of those times where you, especially now you have had an opportunity. Lately, there's been several of those. I turned 50, it was one of those moments. Or Paul was with me when we passed a million markets, like 18 years you paid a price, and here we've seen a million, just what God spoke. And then there's a whole another set of mountains in the front of you. So you're going to start to climb again because you know that man builds bridges, God builds valleys. So you, so you understand if you want to go from glory to glory, it's not going to go from that mountain to the next one. You're going to have to start a whole new process. And at that moment, I was 50, I'm 56 now. So the journeys towards that, the new scars, the new process, the new breaking, the new, at that stage when you have everything and you finally could have the opportunity. And then again, just next month, I do, looks like an insane thing is to take up that cross of following Jesus again. And, uh, and just following him. Now it's a little bit easier in regard to our children are grown up and older. And I have been asking the father that when we get grandkids that I will have the opportunity to not have to be gone and to be able to enjoy. Because I know many times when there was different activities that the kids had, their dad was gone and was not able to be there. And that's been one of my prayer when grandkids coming along. I'm willing to do all of this, but God can do Give me the opportunity at least to be able to enjoy and making sure that my calendar gets filled with grandkids' activity and then whatever is left over, we can give that to the nations. I've been um, Michael or Mikal, David's wife. Stupid idiot, what you doing out there dancing like that? <laughs> I've been Job's wife. Why don't you just curse God and die? I swear, I am tired of this. You think I'm joking? I'm not joking. <laughs> he, he did finally, he was able to get life insurance. Because I told him he had to. Before he went to Pakistan. So I probably quit more than I haven't, honestly. And yet I haven't. Because you can't. 
I sang a song in high school and I didn't know anything about the prophetic. I still don't know very much. And I sang the song of Peter's wife. And I sang the words, when I wore my bridal veil and wedding gown, I somehow thought my husband ought to stick around. But now it seems that the man of my dreams is always out of town. Well, I guess I've married a traveling man, but I've met Jesus, so I understand that when you find the truth, you'll follow him anywhere. You do want to quit. How many of you have awakened in the night to nurse a baby and you're exhausted? And you want your husband to nurse the baby? <laughs> or your kids? chicks. Or your children get chicken pox a day apart. So one's in the fevered pocky place. The other one's getting better and you're living in Norway and the hot water doesn't heat fast and washing clothes takes three freaking hours because of stuff and the dryers suck and your kids find your utter cream, which I didn't really need because I'm Native American. We're tough. But they saw me putting ointment on their brother. So my two daughters decided to take care of each other in my bed with that fatty cream. You want to quit. <laughs> but you can't. You can and if you can, you probably should. But you can't. Because when you find the truth, when you've met Jesus, you'll follow him anywhere. never, ever, ever, ever wanted to quit on Jesus. That's the truth. I fell in love with him when he met me when I was 16, sweet 16. And I'm still radically in love with him. But missions, I, I, I wanted to quit missions many, many times. And um, just before I went to the revival in Toronto, yes, the T word, um, I really, I was, I told Roland, I said, I, I'll follow Jesus, but I'm going to work at Kmart. That's after I earned the PhD. I want to work at Kmart. I said, you don't have to brush your hair. And I was too tired to brush my hair. It's like, I said, I meant it. I was too tired. I was exhausted. 320 kids, 360 kids. I lost counts. No joke. I was. I couldn't even remember all their names at that point. I was so tired and burned out and exhausted. And then the government took our buildings, and we were all homeless. And it was like, is this a joke? It felt just. I remember feeling like this is cruel. And Roland would. Um, we had this little office in town, and. We ended up, all of us living there, and there were children everywhere on these 
grass mats and and we had one toilet you know it, it, I felt like quitting yes as things were running down everywhere it, oh I was so tired and he he said just pray the prayers of David and then he'd print them out and stick them on the wall and the kids would rip them down and <laughs> I wanted to quit and um Many times since then, I've wanted to quit. But when I really, really understood Father Heart, when I really understood just his love, and he took that orphan spirit out of me, and then I saw him take that orphan spirit out of our children who were truly orphans, um, and, and I watched him do it. I said, no, we'll never quit. And I always say to my team, uh, I tell them all the time, and they know I mean it. If you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. And um, little little fun story because the victory came a few days ago when my my daughter, Crystaline Joy, had um, her first child. You know how you, you kind of plan how it's going to be? And uh, I'm the I'm Gigi, and I flew in from Mozambique to be there for this supernatural birth. And my son in love is this amazing worship leader, and and a, an incredible musician. And the songs are so anointed. So we had all these songs, and these beautiful Holy Spirit songs, and we had candles and. It was beautiful, a bathtub, the whole thing. And at, after about 38 hours or so, it, it wasn't, we weren't feeling the joy. And that's how, you know, you feel in ministry sometimes, like, we're quitting, we're quitting. It's like, dude, you're not able to quit. This, this baby's coming. Somehow this baby's coming. And we suddenly needed um, a, an emergency C-section. And, and uh, Brock and Crystalline were, it was red flag, everyone's screaming. And they, they, they just like take them in. The whole band's in the hallway. Rollins in the hallway sitting there. It's like 36 hours. People are tired, right? We want, we want to quit, but we're not going to quit because a baby's coming. And so, so we're just praying. And I remember I was a mama lion. I'm like, nobody get in this room unless you have faith. I was serious. I, I prayed so loudly and make Pentecostals run. I was so, I mean, it was like so loud. I, I freaked out the hospital staff. I, I did not care. Life, 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 life. And so in comes my, finally, it, it, the miracle happened and God used this incredible surgeon. And I, I mean, incredible surgeon. And I, I won't even tell you all the details, but I had stuff God had to get really deal with. And this incredible surgeon did a beautiful job and, and in comes this granddaughter and I remember looking at Crystal and she was sad and, and Brock was sad and not that the baby was born, but it did not, we didn't have anything to, in our heads, nothing was supernatural about that. Wow. You know, we were just like, that was traumatic in every way. That was just traumatic. But in the end, the baby's born. And they almost took the name Joy out of her middle name because it, it just didn't feel joyful at that point. It just felt traumatic at that point. And, and, and yet, and we were scared. It's like, 
is she going to stop breathing? And, you know, we're, we're, and, and it was just this panic and I got some prayer and I, and I remember just being in the presence in this prayer and, and, and knowing that, that this somehow matters. And I felt like kicking the devil so hard in the head that he would, he would seriously pay for this for this very challenging situation. And as I was praying, the Lord said, build a maternity ward, build a maternity wing, build a maternity wing, name it after Zoe, name it after Zoe Joy Leora. Hey, Zoe life, joy, joy, Leora, bearer of light. I said, yes, Lord. And um, Chris Lynn got powerfully touched um, by the Lord in prayer and Zoe's a joy mom and Brock got touched and everybody was thrilled and she's just so much fun and she's so full of life but the the next day I was on it and I started this process of building a maternity wing and um, April 7th Zoe turned seven and one week before that we we're able to finally, seven years, can you imagine? Seven years after Al-Shabaab burned down our brand new medical clinic in Masimba de Praia, right? I won't tell you what it cost because it would be discouraging for donors. <laughs> it would be like, I don't know. I don't know if we want to partner, you know. Uh, but it, it was gone and, and I, it upset me. And, and then I remember Brother Yoon. Do you all yeah. know Brother Yoon? The heavenly man. The heavenly man. He came to Mozambique one day when the, the military government type guys came to shut down our medical clinic. And I was ticked. I was angry. I didn't feel, I didn't feel happy at all. And Brother Yoon just kept laughing. And I, I, wasn't, I wasn't even happy about it. He's like... Like, okay, that was his whole message. Mama Heidi, don't be afraid, Jesus loves you. And I was in such a bad mood that I I just wanted to go to the back, you know, of the tent, like back, way in the back, because I was like, they've just written us seven pages of lies over us, and I'm, I'm not happy, and I don't feel the love right now. And I am afraid, because these guys are scary. And I, and I, that's how I felt. You're getting so much real out of me, this, this conference, you're just getting, uh, this is it. Like, I just, it's my wisdom stage here, so I have nothing to prove. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, so I, I remember this, this journey and not paying bribes. And if we had paid a little, I'm going to say it clearly so everyone hears what I'm saying, because they thought I was saying we paid a little bribe. No, we did not pay a little bribe. We did not pay any bribes. So therefore, the opening of this maternity wing got delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. We, we had a red ribbon. We cut a red ribbon several times. Last week or 
10 days ago, some precious nurse tried to put up a, a ribbon again, and Anna Lee, like, rips it down. She said, done there, been there. Don't, don't cut the ribbon again. <laughs> I just want to hold the baby, and I've gotten to dedicate um, five beautiful babies uh, born in Zoe's maternity wing. And if you don't quit, you win. And the babies are coming. So it doesn't mean we don't feel like giving up, guys. But when you get to hold the baby Amen. in your arms, spiritual babies and physical babies in your arms, it gives you joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so we are just never, never, never going to give up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Mama Heidi. Wow, just, I just want to just listen to your stories, your journey. Just gives so much uh, encouragement for, for us, the younger generation, if I may still <laughs> qualify myself in the younger generation. <laughs> but yeah, the question of um, did I ever feel uh, quitting? The human part of me, yes, several times. If it's just ministry, if that's the, that's the only um, reason or, or purpose, I, I would have walked away from it. But not, not with Jesus. Maybe I highlight um, several things that this is kind of a very personal I won't go into details, but to me, the woundings in your own house, when you're creating a kingdom family and you walk with people who, yeah, broke bread with you and fought and created this culture, and they're the ones who would call you dad or mom and then a few years down the road you see them not just questioning but just completely using the very revelation as a sword against you That to me would be one of maybe reasons, just the human part of me. If I were to, you know, just ah, enough of this. <laughs> kind of, you know, I don't deserve this. If it's just for me or Almira, and I, I've shared a little bit of the story that there was one, one time in the, the two years of the pandemic, we were just going through a lot. We had to take one month of Sabbath because, yeah, very close to us, walked away with, I don't know what happened, but, uh, yeah, we, we kept loving. I wrote a, a letter of just expressing my heart, just humility, and I, I said, if I see you face to face, I would wash your feet. If I have to do that, 
That's painful. And yeah, I've, I don't know, but the very things that we we carry as revelations of this culture. Just like Joseph, he was tested. The word in Joseph was you know, tested several times, seven times. or It's been a purifying process. And maybe on the practical side, uh, when we said yes to the nations, uh, our first, uh, when we decided to go to the nations, our, our First nation was Malaysia. And we got in through Thailand. And when we flew in to Thailand, we ha- only had two luggages and Almiros. She was still bleeding. She had a miscarriage the week before. I'm just so thankful to the Father. He has given me a wife as amazing as Almira. Yes, we'll just go. When we had our firstborn, David, uh, and uh, David, his uh, uh, bottle fed. And we were running out of finances. And the pressure of being away from, minister, from, from the community you know, that we belong to. This, this Filipino couple in neighborhood of, of uh, Chinese, wealthy, um, maybe at least from our standard, they're wealthy and we're, we're trying to just survive and there's a day in which Almira said we don't have milk for Dave and I was just cutting grass outside and it's tears in my eyes that God you sent us here and I just had this sense of go and check the mailbox check the mailbox and there's a letter and a check inside sent by a friend of us Paul Friesen from Penang, Malaysia that until now he told us he never signed a check (laughs) um we just barely surviving, but I, I love every part of that. I don't despise, I was never questioned, I, I never questioned the, the, the call of God. I remembered build, building Almira a, a, you know, a, a cabinet just to make our life a little bit decent. We don't have much. Look around, look for you know, wood, and I built with my Swiss knife. 
a drawer or a cabinet for her. So if you're, I may be honest with you, if it's just a human side of me, I graduated with a degree, doctor of veterinary medicine. I'm a doctor. I'm in the top five of the list. State University. I could have also made it big. I tried to be a veterinarian. And there's just one thing I couldn't deny. I'm dying inside if I'm not there in the nations. And same thing with Almira. There's no other way. We cannot quit. We just have to say, go, oh, yes. It's like that song, Pioneer. You're just pressing onward. When there's nobody, nobody there except your father saying, come, journey with me. It's been a long, lonely journey, but now it's, it's, it's fun to be with the family. And just last uh, story. A couple of years ago, we had this family talk, Papa Jack, uh, Daddy Leif, and, and me, and just bearing our hearts. <laughs> Papa Jack was saying, okay, nobody hides anything, <laughs> just the three of us. And Papa Jack said, every morning, I'll have this cloud, dark cloud over me. And I would just, I need to fight that just to rise up and to press and to believe and to go. And then I heard that Elif there, like every time he is about to, to preach or to, to go to Pakistan, there's that part of, ah, what can I give? I don't have anything. And for me, it's the same way. The Paul you saw a while ago is just, yeah, that's, that's the Paul pouring out. But before that, it's just, I don't know what to say. And so when I heard them telling their story, sorry, I, yeah, I, I shared my heart. Yeah, same, same thing. I'm normal now. I feel like I'm normal. Hearing from Jack Taylor and Leif Hetman. We are here. By the grace of God. Like Paul saying, I am who I am by the grace of God. So, question of quitting, the human side says yes. But the side of the person who had been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live, I live for him who loves me and gave himself for me. There's no quitting. It is finished. The race that I'm in starts in the finished line of what Jesus had finished.
You guys all know that scripture, count it all joy when you face the trials of many kinds because it's the testing of your faith that develops perseverance and that perseverance brings you into a place of maturity so that you lack nothing. And, uh, and I think one of the things I just see is all the trials, all the things that, that they faced throughout their years has actually been the very thing that has prepared them for the next step and the things that the Lord was just about to move them into. And so had they have not gone through those trials, had they had not faced those, a lot of those things, some of the trials I think are, are just our own mistakes. <laughs> we can create trials too that maybe, but, but there, there is a testing. There are things that the Lord actually will even position us for that we're like, Lord, get us out of that. And the Lord's like, no, I actually need you to go through that because I need you to be stronger so that you're prepared for the coming season for the things that are ahead. And so I, I just want to, I feel like there's such an encouragement in this that you go, look, we, there are days where we just want to say, that's it. I mean, and, and these are people that I know, like a lot of people... Like we idolize, we go, wow, that's amazing. They're, they're doing it all so well. But there are days where, where everyone wants to quit. Uh, but it is that testing that actually does the preparation. And the, the scripture that I was just thinking of is that with Paul in the first or in the second letter that he writes to the, to the Corinth church and where he's talking about, he says, look, it's these hardships that we've suffered uh, in the province of Asia we were under such great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. And then that next sentence, though, I just feel like this is, this is for all of us. It's for this purpose. It says, this happened. This is the words of Paul. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And I think it's this process that we're getting to of even humbling ourselves even more, of becoming more and more dependent on, uh, more and more dependent upon the Lord, less and less dependent upon ourselves. And it's the very opposite that the world has. It's, we were talking about this a while back where for, for our human life, the whole purpose is you go from a baby which you're completely dependent upon others to the point where you're completely independent. But in the kingdom, you go from a place of complete independence to a place of complete dependence. Isn't it amazing how the kingdom works, completely opposite of the ways of the world? Yet, what we can do is sometimes still get caught up almost in that swirl of independence, and the Lord will just graciously bring us back to that point where he says, but he did this so that we would not rely on ourselves, but on our God who raises the dead. Uh, I want to, we're going to, I know we're running out of time here. I'm just going to finish just by asking one final question. Uh, and this was, I just kind of, yeah. There's so many great questions in here, and I'm so sorry we didn't get to them all. But, uh, but I want to, to end it with this, because I feel like this is important for all of us. If there is just one piece of advice, so you can't give us 10, 
what is that? What is the one thing that you would leave us with uh, for for life, for for the way we live our lives, for for uh, just one piece of advice that you would say? Do this. If, if nothing else, do this. So I don't know who wants to leave. Jennifer, Mama Jen, do you want to leave? <laughs> I left it with an easy one. I know, this is like, dude. Dude. I didn't, by the way, they had no idea what questions were going to be asked, just so you know. Uh, uh, Give yourself grace. Give yourself grace. Because you can't give it if you don't have it. <laughs> can I give two? You can. <laughs> it's Papa Leif, of course. Yeah, you I, can I, give I, two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted first to do one is from Papa Jack, and it was his life verse Seek first his kingdom. It is his kingdom, and it is. His righteousness, meaning just your priority list, as long as you're seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you. So I just felt that that was just a, uh, a thing from Papa Jack. And I have a life verse in myself. That's, uh, so that's Papa Jack's, Matthew 6, 33. So I wanted to represent that. And for me personal, uh, I have John 17, 4, where Jesus says, Father, I have glorified you here on earth. And I have finished everything that you called me to do. So that verse for me is the advice I would give is for each one of us is to live and love in such a way that it brings glory to our Father. But also finish, finish, finish everything that he called us to do. Not what he didn't call us to do. So don't be distracted, but finish everything that he called me to do. So by the time I'm finished breathing my last breath, I pray that I've lived full and died empty. That I've finished everything that he intended for my life. So I have this one life to live and so much love to give that I do want to do it in such a way that is bringing glory to the Father. And I want to finish well. I want to finish everything that he called me to do. So that's my life verse, and you can have it also. John 17, 4. Amen. Um, I'm going to go with the scripture too, because one of my favorites, and I'm, I've memorized it in so many versions, but this one I'm going to read. John 15. So you must, 15.4, so you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in life union with me, as your source of fruitfulness. As our source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. 
So my, um, my desire for all of us is that we would be absolutely in intimate union with him, that we would love as his radical lovers and stay passionate and therefore fruit will happen. Amen. Um, um, I'll have to. <laughs> like father, <laughs> like son. Yeah, like father. <laughs> Actually, before Mama Heidi read John 15, to me, this, if I may give an, like a word and advice, how to live our lives, abide, just remain. Remain in me. Remain in my word. Remain in my love. Remain with one another. That kind of union will bear the fruits of eternity. The fruits that will glorify God. Another one would be Proverbs 4, 23. Mm. Guard your heart all diligence for from it flows the springs of life there's no measure in what God can do to us and through us it's the heart that determines whether we can give fully or hide or be imprisoned by shame, guilt but if we open up our hearts to be overwhelmed by him, what overwhelms us will shape us. Be overwhelmed by him alone, by God. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.